0: Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, My name is Dave Everett. It's my wife, Sherry. And uh, we're here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We're doing our Bible study tonight on the New You and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. And uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Hopefully, we don't have any hiccups tonight with our live stream. Uh, We are uh, uh, trying to, we've been trying to live stream. We've been trying some new procedures to live stream on uh, Facebook live as well as uh, YouTube we have a YouTube channel now and then we also have our website lighthouse discipleship uh, org and uh, we're supposed to if everything works like it's supposed to it's supposed to work on all three platforms uh, the night Wednesday night and Sunday morning and also 11: 15 a.m and also Sunday night at 6 pm uh, and so anyway uh anyway so hopefully we don't have any hiccups tonight hopefully everything's working tonight uh and so uh we're well, doing the new year in the holy spirit we've had some hiccups in the past as we're trying to get this new new program dialed in so we're going to actually kind of repeat what we've been doing uh go over some things again uh so i don't like it that it's hit and miss i don't like it that it's not consistent and trustworthy uh, we're hoping to iron out all the speed bumps and and get it functional uh, if we do have some hiccups again tonight on the recording, uh, we will keep repeating it till we get it down, and if yeah. not, we, we'll just start with a whole new system altogether. So this is kind of our last trial with this new system we're working with, uh, so we don't give any, any speed bumps, but if we do get speed bumps, we're going we're gonna to just start over and, uh, and repeat it. You uh, it can't follow something that you can't trust, and so, uh, so we get that. So, so question. Three. So I think we got a thumbs up. We'll check afterwards, make sure everything worked. I don't have a way to do that. I can't teach and be IT at the same time. <laughs> so, but but uh, anyway, uh, we're just gonna try it, and uh, we trust it by faith. The whole goal is that this whole thing will be beneficial. So we're doing again uh, the new Bible study, the new you and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. We're gonna kind of start over somewhat tonight. We're not gonna read the introduction again. Uh, Well, actually, are we still in the introduction to that one? I get my two studies mixed up. Uh, No, uh, this one doesn't have an introduction like the other one. So, yeah, we'll be starting with Chapter 1, The New Year of the Holy Spirit. I won't go as detailed with some of the things I have in the the last few weeks, but uh, we are going to cover everything from uh, the beginning of the chapter. So we're going to kind of do a do-over, but it's not going to be as in-depth, and uh, uh, and hopefully uh, it will be in-depth enough. Uh, And then... Hopefully once we get things going, we'll, we'll, we'll gain a little bit of steam where we, uh, we'll we we'll get into a groove where we'll, we'll be able to have uh, consistency. So that's the goal with this. So anyway, so thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, then we have our, our Sunday morning service that will be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. And then we have a new book. I didn't burn it out tonight, but uh, The True Nature of God on um, Sunday night at 6, uh, all by the same author. And so anyway, woman. Uh, so anyway. Without further ado, Sherry will be our narrator. She'll read a section of the other of chapter of the book, and then uh, then we'll talk about it. And then that's, that's the way we'll go. If you have any comments, feel free to put them in the comments below on uh, both Facebook and YouTube. I know on a, uh, the website you can't do that, uh, but you can take notes on the website. So I uh, do have. A section there for you to take notes as well. So anyway, um, anyway, without further ado, uh, Sherry, just gonna go ahead and read uh, the first section here, and then we'll talk about it.
1: Okay. Understand your salvation. When God's word first comes to you, Satan immediately tries to steal it. Matthew thirteen nineteen. However, he can only do so if you don't have understanding. That's why you need to comprehend what takes place the moment you accept the Lord. Understanding prevents the devil from talking you out of your salvation benefits. God's word promises that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Have you done this? Have you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus? Do you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead? Are you a whosoever who has called on the name of the Lord? If your answer is yes, then you've been saved. You were saved the very moment you sincerely committed your life to Jesus Christ. The truth of his word instantly came to pass as you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. Congratulations, you've been saved.
0: Okay, all right, thank you, Sherry. So just a brief little section here at the beginning. So, the, you know, this book, The New Year and the Holy Spirit, is really two books in one. The first one is talking about the new creation we are in Christ Jesus, when we become born again, what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved in its simplest form. And then the second, the second part of the book is talking about the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about later in our study in the weeks to come. But uh, the new year of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, a lot of us who are born again or have been around church, we understand or we've heard the term being born again. We've heard the term or the phrase being saved. And, uh, and so hearing that term by itself, we, we do accept, most of us do accept that. But what does that mean? What is that? What takes place when we become born again? This is beneficial for both those who have been born, who haven't been born again, who would like to be born again, but it's also beneficial for those who who have been born again, especially those who are what we call babes in Christ. They're new. They're born new. They're brand new born again believers. But even as veterans, if I can put it that way, uh, we need to know who we are. We need to know the new us. You know, if we don't know who we are, we're not going to function in its fullness of who we are because we don't we just don't know we don't have the understanding that's where paul i mean andrew was talking about as he was quoting from matthew that you know the parable of the sower in matthew 13 the seed the word of god the word of god is the seed in that parable and that word of god is sown in four different kinds of soil we have the, the pavement we have the uh we have the stony soil we have the thorny soil, and then we have the good soil to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. All four of those soils, well, the soil depends whether the seed is going to be beneficial. The seed is the same in all four soils, but the soil is different. It's just like if you had a garden. You've got to have good soil if you want to see the seed seed produce. But it's, so it's the soil that determines whether that seed is going to be productive or not. The seed is good. And a seed of one one apple seed compared to another apple seed are going to produce the same results if they have the right soil. And they have the right environment. There's some other qualifications there. But according to the parable, uh, it's a seed that makes a difference. All four kinds of soil heard the word of God. So, but only the seed that fell on the good soil heard it and understood it. So in one sense, it's not good enough just to hear it. We have to hear it. You can't understand something you don't hear. So you have to hear it. All four soils had to hear the word of God. So so we can't take hearing out of the equation, but that can't be enough because the other three soils that didn't produce a good harvest, They did two of them did produce, but it wasn't it wasn't 30, 60, 100 fold. It wasn't fruitful. And there's much I can say about that. Uh, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Point hopefully. But so we need to hear it. So Bible study, church, devotions, which is kind of Bible study, but uh, our individual Bible study, our group Bible study, church, uh, good teaching. There's good teaching and there's bad teaching, but it's good teaching. Uh, um, there's other kinds of fellowship, There's praying and spending time with God on our own. Sometimes we go on on prayer walks and different things of that nature. Different people have different ways of spending time with God. But we have to water that seed. We have to nurture that seed. We have to hear the seed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's faith in his grace that we're saved. It's not just faith without grace, and it's not just grace without faith. We have to trust in, we have to believe in his grace those two together we are saved and so going to the the main verse that he uses in this section that he and it's it's a very common verse that we use when we have the sinner's prayer now the reason i go this way with the sinner's prayer nowhere in the bible you're going to see a sinner's prayer i'm okay with a sinner's prayer as long as the right ingredients are in that prayer um because, but you're not going to find anywhere in the book of Acts, when the church was born, that anyone recited a sinner's prayer. You won't find them reciting anything for that matter. That's a whole other subject. I am um, I don't have an issue with the prayer. But if we pray a prayer, but we don't understand what we're saying, we don't understand what we believe, we're just reciting something, but we don't believe anything, <laughs> uh, it, doesn't, it, it won't work. It's just religion. I'm not interested in religion. I'm interested in a relationship with God. There's a big difference. The Romans 10, 9 and 10 basically says, I'm going to just paraphrase it on words, that we need to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to believe in our heart that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again, and that that, that, uh, we need to believe it and then we need to confess it. Confessing, just reciting something you don't believe, is not how it works. You can recite things all you want, but you need to believe it. I'm more interested that you believe it than I am interested that you recite it. But when you believe something, you know, uh, I'm trying to give an example. I know my name's Dave. I believe that. And it's just going to come up. I know Sherry's my wife. I just believe that. And if i tend to forget she'll remind me (laughs) but but at the same point in time you know uh, i just know there's just some things i know that i know that i know there's nothing you can tell me that would convince me that i'm not dave there's nothing you can convince me that you would tell me that i'm not married to sherry there's not and, and and in the same way that i know that i know that jesus died for my sins i know that he rose again and I know that if, if, I, if I believe, and basically what it comes down to, we hear the gospel, the gospel in the simplest form, is that he died, buried, and rose again. We can't include that he was born, died, buried, was rose again, and, and was ascended. We can include all that, that's all part of the gospel. But the gospel, and the gospel by definition means good news. The good news, the good message, the good news that we have is that Jesus died as our substitute. He was rose again. That being that he rose again means that the sacrifice, his substitute, was approved by God. If he didn't rise again, raise, rise again from the dead, then he just died. <laughs> Nothing happened, but he did rise again. He did die. He and he, and he can't rise again if he didn't die. He <laughs> gotta have that verse so and there's reason, there's a significance about the virgin birth too i'm not going to go into all that right now but the basics is that he died and he was buried which is, kind of goes together and was, he rose again it says in romans 6 that we were crucified with christ we were buried with him and we were raised together with him in newness of life i'm paraphrasing a lot of different things i'm just trying to put in simple forms I'm not trying to be religious. But I'm not trying to exclude anything, too. But basically, we need to believe that. We need to know that we know that Jesus died for our sins and and, and confess that. And it's not just believe that he died for us. We need to receive it. <laughs> we need to say, you know what? Jesus, you died for my sins. I receive that. I receive that. You know, once we're getting close to Christmas here. We're, we're hitting October 1st tomorrow, so we're at the three-month mark uh, starting tomorrow. But, uh, you know, when someone gives you a gift, you say thank you. Jesus gave us the gift of salvation. He gave us the gift of eternal life. He gave us the gift of righteousness. These are all uh, wrapped in the same gift, but uh, they're just just different aspects of the same gift. You know, if I looked at a prism, it's going to have different angles, but it's the same prism that makes sense? But there's different aspects. I can look at it from this side. I can turn it around and look at it from this side. I can look at it this angle. But it's the same prism. It's all going to come back to, he died, buried with rose again. Those, those are essential. You know, when I say essential, there's some things to my, my body that are important. There's some things about my body that are essential. And there's some parts of my body that are, what I would rather call, non-essential. Uh, for example... You know, it's essential, you know, if, if we call the paramedics, they're going to check your vital signs. Make sure that you have a heartbeat. Make sure you're breathing. Those are essential. Now, there's some other things they might check after they check that. They're going to check that first. The second thing they might check, if I was unconscious, might see if I have any broken bones or something. For example, my arm. It's important, but it's not essential. I can live, maybe not a quality life, but I can live without an arm. I can live without eyesight. I can live without ears. Not a quality of living, but I can live. I can't live without a heartbeat. I can't live without uh, uh, without uh, breathing. That makes sense? Some things are essential, things are important. Some things are not so essential. My, my uh, tonsils, I think you can take those out. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 my appendix. And I, some people might have discovered what that is really for. Uh, and you know, I basically believe that if God gave it, gave it to me. I want to keep it. You know, but at the same point in time, there's some things there are what I consider a little more non-essential. There's some doctrines out there that are just not so essential. There's some doctrines that are important, but there's some doctrines that are essential. A doctrine is just a fancy word for teaching. There's some teachings that are very essential. And one of the essential teachings have to do with my salvation. I need to know that he died for me, that he that he, that he rose again. Basically, those two things. I need to believe it, but I need to receive it. And how do you receive it? Basically, you confess it with your mouth. Jesus, I believe you died for me, and, I re- and you gave me the gift of salvation, and I receive it. Now we might fancy that up a little bit and call it a sinner's prayer. But basically that's all it is. When you read the book of Acts, that's when the church was born. The early church, they heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and were saved. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and they were saved. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and they were saved. That was a pattern. Actually, if you want to get technical, they heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. I believe uh, water baptism baptism is important but it's not essential you can be born again without being baptized the thief on the cross was not baptized there's a matter of but do i think it's important yes you know we can get married without having a wedding ceremony we can just go down the courthouse but having a wedding ceremony is very important it's important for us it's important for uh our witnesses our families to not to publicly make a declaration we are husband and wife. We are married. We're one flesh. We can do that very simply. We can do that very legally at the courthouse. But making that proclamation is, is important. It's important for us. It's important for us to, to have... Even at the courthouse, you're going to have to have a witness to be, for it to be legal. So you're still going to have to have that. You, must, you might not have all the expense and the and, and glamour. But the glamour is fun. The glamour makes it special. Water baptism is not... You can't get... If you're not born again, if you didn't receive Christ and you're baptized, you just go out wet. <laughs> so if I, if I perform a water baptismal ceremony, which I love to do, the first, I, before I'm going to baptize them, I'm going to make sure that they believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I can believe that they, they received him in their heart. And uh, if they haven't done that, then there's no per- point in ke- uh, performing the ceremony. But the ceremony, if they have done that, then let's perform the ceremony. Let's declare to the world, I am born again. I was buried with him in baptism, and I rose together in the newness of life. That's what it symbolizes. There's a a symbolism in it. But it's very important. I know I'm married, not only because I have a ring, not only because she will remind me, and not only because I have a certificate. I had a ceremony that declared to the world I'm married. I I was born again in a, in, a, in, a, in a kindergarten I mean a first grade classroom at Christian Chapel on a Walnut back in 1976 I think it was, but I had a I had a later on I had a water baptismal ceremony, I did it too late I waited till I was in high school, but I uh in, in the new in the New Testament they did it right away, you know, and it's it's not you're not breaking some uh. Uh, uh, sac, uh, sacred law, if you if you wait, but why wait? Why wait for the ceremony? Why wait? Just do it, you know. And so and and so uh, that's one way I look at water baptism. It's just a decoration. But what's essential? And there's some other doctrines that are not as essential because it's not going to have to do with you're saved or not. You might believe this or that, and whatnot. not. And some some of those are important. Some are not so important. Some of those doctrines I would argue with you with, some of them I'm not going to spend the time arguing with you. You can believe what you want to believe, I, I can all, I'm going to believe what i got to believe. Uh, I'm willing to talk about it if you want to have a conversation, but I'm not going to debate about it. I'm not going to argue about it. But there's some, some doctrines that I would, uh, and, and, and only to a certain degree. I mean, I mean I, I'm... Uh, I know I'm born again, I know that Jesus heals, I know certain things, I'm not and, and you know we can argue but uh, I'm, you're not going to convince me otherwise you're just too late uh, but uh, uh, but at the same point in time I, I, I want to get off that rabbit trail I want to get back to what I'm talking about basically what we're teaching is that uh, to, to become born again you need to believe that Jesus died for your sins that he rose again and receive that you know when the ain't the angel gabriel came to mary and again we're getting close to christmas we're going to be hearing that story pretty soon she he began to tell her how she was going to be conceived with jesus and give birth to jesus and he began to describe how that was going to be because she was a little confused how how a virgin was going to give birth she didn't understand how that she didn't understand she understood the the abcs of how that worked mean she didn't And there was no ABC, so she didn't know how that was going to happen. And so the gay book explained it to her. And then she, she, I love this response that she gave. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. I believe when she said those words that Jesus literally was conceived in her womb. And nine months later, she gave birth to Jesus on Christmas morning. When we hear the gospel, the good news, that Jesus died, buried, and rose again for us, and we believe it, when we say, I received Jesus into my heart, we are basically saying the exact same words. Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. And I believe at that moment, just like Mary was conceived with Jesus literally, we are conceived with Jesus spiritually. In a sense, we're, we're not going to give birth physically to a Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. He's already come. He's already died. He's already sitting at the right hand of God. But we can receive Jesus into our heart. We can receive his salvation. We can receive his substitute. And when we receive his substitute, we'll get into this in a lot more detail later. But our sins that was red as scarlet became white as snow. And, uh our penalty because Jesus not only took our sin but he took our penalty he died for us see the penalty for sin was death Jesus died for us he was our substitute you know as I say you had a mortgage on the house but i I give you a check to pay it off or I, I I pay it to the mortgage or the bank for you you know if 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 someone pays off your mortgage you don't have to keep sending checks every month to the bank you can stop that. Because someone paid it for you, it's paid in full. You should get the title deed of the house. It's yours, okay? Or the pink slip on the car, if that were the case. It's yours. You don't have to keep making payments. Jesus paid for a debt, at the cross, so we don't have to make payments anymore. It's paid in full. And when we underst- receive his grace, his grace will now teach us how to live this life. And that's what we're gonna be talking about somewhat and near you. But before we can talk about how to live this life, we need to know who we are. If we're living our life on our own and not letting Him who is in us live His life in and through us, then we're doing it not Him. Now He wants. He He's not going to do it for us in the sense that we're not participating. We're not a puppet either. But He's going to do it in us and through us. He's going to do it from the roots. He, you know, a seed. You know, the apples on the apple tree don't make the apple tree grow. The seed does. The roots make it grow. The roots make it produce uh, the, the, the apples. And the apples produce more apples and more apple seeds, and etc. But we need to know who we are. We need to hear the word and understand it. Now when we're first born again... We don't understand everything and we don't expect you to know. God doesn't expect you to know everything when you're first born again. You need to know enough. You need to know the essential truths that we just talked about. That he died for you and that he rose again. You might not understand it in all of its entirety. But you need to know that he died for you. You need to know that he rose again. And you need to understand that enough to believe it and receive it. As we continue to be discipled. Well, the, the whole goal of going to church and being pastored is so we can understand it and we can grow. You know, when a child comes out of the womb, he doesn't understand everything. He doesn't understand math and reading and writing and basic things of social skills and whatnot. I understand there's some uh, uh, special babies that at a very young age, they can know science and whatnot and they can play music and... Uh, <coughs> and those are special, special things. But uh, but even then, even those special babies, uh, they didn't come out of the womb being able to walk. They didn't come out of the womb being able to talk. They didn't even come out of the womb to be able to change their own diaper. They didn't come out of the womb to be able to feed themselves. They, they had to learn some basic things. Some of them were a little sharper than others, and until so they learned some things a lot easier. I could do them almost naturally. But before we learned to walk, a baby has to learn to sit. We have to learn how to sit in his presence before we can learn to walk. We need to learn know who we are. they, 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 they and as they're as they're growing, hopefully in a healthy home, they're learning mom and dad. They're learning who they are. They're building. They're building trust with their parents. They're building a relationship with their parents and possibly siblings or grandparents and family and other people. Sometimes there might be in a foster home, so it's a little different, or whatever the case may be. But they're learning things. They're they're and they're learning. They're growing. They're learning their motor skills. They're learning. They a baby has all the same muscles I have, but a a a baby can't pick up a pencil and write. A, a baby can't use the muscles to walk. It hasn't developed them yet. It doesn't understand everything yet, it's, but it's going to take some time. But mo- I know there's some special babies as I was talking about, but most babies have to go to school. Most uh, uh, when they get when they when they when they once they are weaned and they get old enough, they need to go to school. What twelve? or thirty? Something, some years to be educated, and not only are they learning the the the, the, uh, the academics. But they're also learning how to get along with others. They're also learning relational skills and social skills and other things as well. And they're how they're, as a child is growing, they're learning different emotions. Being angry, being sad, crying, laughter. They're learning different things. And so they're experiencing life. Same thing with being born again. We don't know everything when we're born again. We need to understand it enough so that seed can be, that seed can germinate. But just because a seed has germinated, it is uh, you know, once that seed uh, is sown, it's that it's still an apple seed. It will always be an apple seed. No matter if it grows a little or if it grows into a full on tree. It will always be an apple seed, because that's what it is. But as it grows and as a disciple in a church, it became it can become more fruitful i said i was going to come back to a point earlier i'm glad i remembered now there's a scripture in the book of hebrews it talks about being a babe and it's and he, and, and, and in the context of it and i'm not going to read it right now but it said, it talks about how it talks about how he's talking to an audience who have been christians for a while he says by now you should be teachers of others but someone still has to teach you the basic principles or the elementary teachings the first principles you know, uh, we might not all be teachers per se, we might not all be pastors per se, but we all teach people. Whether it be the older woman teaching the younger woman, or the older man the younger man, or different people that we influence. We influence people for the good, the bad, and the ugly all the time. Whether we are at, behind a pulpit, or we read a book, we still influence people. And once people know we're Christians, they will watch us. They will watch us. And we are going to either influence them for the good or the bad. They might like us, they might hate us, but they we still influence them. But a babe, there's nothing wrong with being a babe, but at some point that babe needs to grow up. That babe needs to mature. You know, if I'm in, I'm into my forties, I'm going to hit fifty next year. But you know, if I, when I was a toddler, and even in my elementary age, I needed to be dependent on my mom and dad for food, for clothing, for For my essentials of living and whatnot. But as I got older, my my early 20s and 30s, 40s, and now we're hitting another decade for me pretty soon here. I need need to be able, I have to come to a point where I physically, naturally, uh, am not so codependent on mom and dad. That makes sense. There's a season for that. No, let, let me back up. I love children, I love babes, but there's three things about babes when we're talking about spiritually. Babes are, first of all, I'm talking about as being co- are codependent, and there's a time for children to be codependent as a babe and as a young child, but the, the goal is that they would be trained and, and, and nurtured in such a way that, they, that when they become of age, that they can be more independent and have their own families and, uh, and whatnot. But you, you don't want to see a 20, 30 year thirty-year-old still codependent on mom and dad the way they were when they were a five-year-old. That would be unhealthy. That would now I understand because of different uh, psych uh, illnesses that uh, that might be a different. But we're not, I'm not talking about that. the The second thing about children is that uh, they can't reproduce. Uh, a, a child, every plant, every animal, every insect has to become. Uh, of age, whatever the age for that animal, insect, or plant is, before they can reproduce. But God told every seed to reproduce after its own kind. He said that in Genesis 1.11. But we want to reach, make more Christians. We want other people to become born again. But until we are mature, we can't do that. We can't do that as an immature Christian. We need to understand who we are. Uh, the third area about children, do you remember my third area? I'm drawing a blank in my mind. Oh, I think I know it. It's, they're gullible. Yes. Children are gullible. You know, when they're a child, they will believe anything you teach them and they trust you. I've lived in Santa Claus for a while. I was told it was. Uh, you know, they'll believe. They'll, they're, they're, and as they are growing up, I mean, especially a toddler... They will ask you why about everything. Why? 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 What are you doing? Why? Well, they're learning. You know, and but and, and they're gullible. You can teach them something totally. You can brainwash children because they're gullible. They're learning. You know, and, and as they're growing. You know, they're learning their taste. They're learning what they like and don't like. They're testing the limits on the authority and different things of that nature. You know, they're learning. But immature Christians, and I'm not using that, that phrase, immature, to put anyone down. But until someone is mature, they are going to be codependent on a pastor, on on a teacher. And, and to a certain degree, we all need to be pastored to, to the rest of our days until Jesus comes. But some of us, we can mature in such a way where we are established in our faith. We're established in who we are in Christ because we have been nurtured and we have an understanding. We're not going to be so dependent on that. I'm not saying, even I as a pastor sometimes need to reach out for prayer. Even I sometimes have a weak moment where I need some help and need some pastoring, encouraging. So so none of us are excluded from that. But at the same point in time, those of us who have grown up and have been matured, we don't have to necessarily, uh, we're not codependent. On, a pa- on someone all the time where we have to hold their hand like a child would hold their mom or dad's hand across the street and whatnot. And even then, sometimes Jesus sent out them out by twos. So I'm not saying we all, we need fellowship. I'm not excluding that. But we don't need it. There's a difference between fellowship and codependence. There's, they're two different things. Also, there's a difference between maturity and immaturity as far as reproducing as I was talking about. But being gullible. You know, as new Christians, until we are grounded in the Word of God, until we are taught well, we can be. The Bible talks about Paul talks about this in Philippians. I mean, Ephesians chapter four that we can be tossed by every wind of doctrine, by every kind of teaching. And there's some bad teaching out there. There's some bad Christian teaching out there, under the na- name of Christian. There's some cults out there. There's some bad Christian teaching. When, and and I'm going to say make a statement here and hopefully I don't offend anyone you know I, I hate religion we don't teach religion here we teach a relationship with God there's a difference and the religion I hate the most is Christian religion now that might sound totally backwards to you I'm not ha- hating Christianity that's not what I'm saying but they are religion there is christian religion out there that gives the true christianity a bad name a bad taste and it's and if we're gullible we're not taught the good teaching we can be misled into something that is not and that's why i hate it because that is more dangerous to me than something that's full-on wrong like uh uh, satanicism, or uh, whatever you call it, uh, there's some, some things that, to me, are just bluntly wrong. But there's some things that are more subtle. But if you're gullible, you're not going to know the difference, and you'll believe whatever you're taught if it sounds good. And that's how the enemy can deceive us. And he, Paul talks about that in his letters. And he says, "I'm," he says, "I'm jealous with you with a godly jealousy. That the same way that Eve was deceived, you'll be deceived." I'm paraphrasing that. Paul doesn't want us deceived you know and I mean there's so much I could talk about I don't I want I to get off track and it's good stuff but I, I don't want to get off track so basically I'm summarizing this one section I know it's taking a long time but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's important that we understand that Jesus died and buried and rose again how we become saved we believe that in our hearts and then we just confess it with our mouths it's not just reciting something though that's what I'm trying to emphasize it's I believe it Jesus died for me. He rose again. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. It's not just reciting it. We and it, we might not understand it to its fullness yet, but we understand it enough. You know, a child might not understand everything. They don't might understand, but they understand. That's my mom, and that's my dad, or or whatever. They understand some basic things. They know. Even a infant knows to cry to get some food. Without food, they're gonna die. They they just know, they know they're not comfortable. They know it's painful. They know they might not know how, why they don't like what it is, but all they know is whatever's happening or whatever's doing, they don't like it. It's too hot. It's too cold. Whatever. They can't express it. They can't tell you what's wrong, but they can cry. And uh, anyway, I get on so many tangents here. Am I making sense? I'm just I'm saying a lot of different things, but yeah,
1: it's good.
0: Okay, let's read some more.
1: So God keeps his word. You're in good hands now. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. John 10, 28 and 29. Since you've committed your life to him, He'll keep you for the, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 2nd Timothy 1 12. God will be faithful even when you aren't. It is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy two eleven through 13 When you make mistakes or feel discouraged, just remember, God cannot deny himself because he always keeps his word.
0: All right. This little section here is important, but it's also can be controversial in one sense, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I don't want to get into all the controversy right now. Because you don't want to get into something very controversial with a new believer, with with a babe. You don't want to get something that will confuse them. That's, I don't want to get to something that will confuse us. But I also want to make some points here that can be controversial that Andrew is speaking towards right here. He he he, he quotes from three different passages of scripture. Basically saying that God keeps his word. That yeah, whatever God, we commit to God, he will keep. In other words, there's different teachings out there. Remember I talked about how a young believer, a new believer, is goalable, Okay? And there's different teachings out there. Some say that you can lose your salvation. Some say you can't lose your salvation. Uh, there's different some variations of that. Basically, where we're coming from is... You can't lose your salvation like you can lose a, pair, a set of keys. It's not, you can't lose it that way. Now, can you reject God? Yeah, absolutely. But you can't lose it like, where did I put my keys? It doesn't work that way. You can't lose them like, you know, I lost my lunch today type of thing. It's not that easy. There's some passages of scripture in the book of Hebrews and, and also in the book of Romans. I'm not gonna to go to that's where it gets deep in different things. But it talks it gives five or six, it lists five or six different things. I think it's Hebrews chapter six, but I'm not gonna to go to there right now. This is deeper teaching right now. So if you're not a new believer, it just needs to be taught. We can give you some teachings on that uh, to go deeper. But I all, it's also important because some people believe. Or been taught that they've committed an unpardonable sin and they can't be born again. And that's important because we've ministered to some people that thought they could never be born again because they did something totally wrong. And I want to just wipe it out that, 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 that that's not the truth. In these five or six things that the book of Hebrews talks about for someone to reject God, or for some, I mean, obviously, someone before they come become born again can reject the gospel. We understand that. They don't have to receive it. But I'm talking about someone who has received Christ. They have done what we just talked about in the last 45 minutes. Uh, they believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, and they have come born again. And then they think they did some sin or rejected God, and now they're, they're not born again. And I, you know, first of all, let me just paint the picture this way. Let's say we had a five-year-old child, and they ran away from home, and they said, you know what, they were mad at mom and dad because they... Some, some type of rule or something that happened at home. I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about abuse here in my illustration, okay? That's a totally different uh, ballpark. But let's just say they were living, this two-five-year-old was living in a, in a healthy home. But they got mad at mom and dad, mad at their siblings or whatever the case might be, and they decided to run away and said, I'm going to disown my family. If the police picked them, that child up, they are going to believe mom and dad over the child. The child's going to go back home. Uh, the child at five years old can't make a decision. I'm going to disown the family, and I'm not talking about abuse. If there was abuse, there would be the social services would be involved. I mean, service and that would be a totally different story. But we're not talking about it. But let's say we we were I was a 20 year old. And a 20 year old got mad at their family and wanted to disown the family. A 20 year old could do that. A 20 a 20 year old could even legally change their name and go through the process of, of doing that they could leave the country they can change their identity they can do all kinds of stuff legally and socially to disown on the family if they were found in the streets they don't they would not take them back to mom and dad at 20 years old or a 30 year old or a 40 year old or whatever the case may be there's a difference between a, a mature person and, a, and an immature person uh uh, we, so we some of us have gotten mad at God or different things and and, and different things and whatnot. The the book of Hebrews uh, and Romans talks about this too. But it lists five or six things. Basically, what I tell people: if you committed a sin, and I know in the heat of the moment you might not have felt remorseful. <laughs> we've all done have at anger. Have maybe we've had an argument in the moment. We said something we should have said. But then when we cooled down and we, we, we came to ourselves, we were sorry and we, we made things right. We can all say things in the heat of the moment. That doesn't make it right at that same point in time. But uh, if if after the moment, let's just say we got mad and said, I don't want to be a Christian no more or whatever the case may be, but you still feel bad about it? It still bothers you? The Bible calls it, uh, in, in Hebrews 6, those who have totally uh, turned away from God a, a reprobate. See, a reprobate would not even care if they offended God. They would not care if they offended, uh, the committed of sin. They wouldn't care. They, they have no care. There's some other parts about, about, about the, the six, five or six things that I list. And it, it's talking about a, a, a mature Christian. It's talking about one who's spirit-filled. It's talking about there's you know, some, some very specific things that it talks about someone who's mature. They know, they know, they know, they know what they're doing and they are totally rejecting God. And yes, that person can reject Christ. But someone who's just mouthing off something in the heat of the moment because they're angry and they're still... But basically, when times talk you can't just lose your salvation like you lose a set of keys. If you reject God, you have to be purposeful to do this as a mature believer, as a spirit-filled believer, and there would be such a hatred in your heart towards God. And I, and to be honest with you, I've never met. Uh, I've met people who are not Christians who never received Christ, and I, I know that. I've no, I. I've, so I've met non-Christians. Don't get me wrong, but I've never met what I call what the Bible calls a reprobate. I've never met one, at least in the churches I've pastored, at least in the churches I I've done. You no, know, we had one gentleman who was coming to our Bible studies for a while. He was going to some other churches too, and for a while he he he, he was he was convinced that he committed an unpardonable sin. We. We and he, and so he just it was never free, he was never free. And when we fo- he finally got the revelation, of what we're talking about, and he is so free, he's so on fire for the Lord. He so loves the Lord. See, a reprobate would not do that. A reprobate couldn't even do that. Would How not even that? have the capacity to do that. How do you spell it? Reprobate. How you spell it? R e p r o a t e. I think.
1: Uh, you forgot the b. R e p. R-O-B-A-T-E.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. But again, this is a deeper teaching. I don't want to go into all right now. I don't want it to be confusing. Basically, what we're teaching right here is that uh, you can't just lose your salvation easily. Okay. Um, there is a process for that. There is a... Uh, you have to be a mature Christian. We can teach on that more in more detail. But I, I, I don't want... I, I almost hate teaching that just early in the game because it can be very confusing. Uh, especially once I opened the door, and I opened the door. But same point in time, you also need to know. Yeah, you know, if you don't have an assurance of your salvation, this this seed can't grow. If you are not convinced that you're saved, if you don't know you're saved because you thought you did something wrong, then you that is going to be a handicap. Uh, it it, it it's, you, you, it's gonna, it's gonna be almost impossible for us to grow the seed who is in you, in Christ. You need to know that you know that you are a child of God. You are born again. That's what we're trying to paint a picture. If you, if you are confused, thinking you've committed some unpardonable sin, talk to me. Reach out to me. I'll, we'll talk. And more, more likely, you'll find out you, that you've not, you're not a reprobate. You, did not uh, uh, turn your back on God, and you can You're not committed an unpardonable sin. Because the fact that you're even questioning whether you did or didn't tells me you're not. Because a reprobate wouldn't be like that. A reprobate wouldn't care. A reprobate would be proud to have disowned them, uh, not be a follower of God. They would be, they would be, there would be such an arrogance about it. There would be such a hatred. There would be such uh, 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 that, that, and so The fact that you are questioning it tells me you haven't. Okay, and so hopefully I've said enough on this. I know this can be very confusing whenever, but, and, and there's three verses that he if I can borrow that real quick. I don't have my, Bible, my book open, but he says, you know, I get, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's from John 10, 28, 29. Then he goes on to say, For that which I cu- for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him ag- against that day. That's Second Timothy 1, 12. And then also it says from 2 Timothy 2, 11-13. It is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him we shall also be live with him if we suffer with him we shall also reign with him if we deny him he also will deny us if we believe not yet he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself there's a lot in those verses I don't have time to go into all of that right now but for the first two are basically saying that he you know he, he is going to be faithful to that which we've committed to him if we say, "Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior," He is faithful to keep what He we have committed to Him. The, no one can pluck us out of the Father's hands. The last verse can be a little confusing because it says, "If we uh, deny Him, He will deny us." You know that that has to do with a lot, again with a non-believer. If we receive Christ and He, uh, if we receive Him, He'll receive us. But if we deny Him, He'll deny us. Yes, a reprobate can get to a point where they renounce their salvation. See, renouncing is different than losing something. You know, if if uh, you gave me this book and I just, I give it back, I renounced it. I didn't lose it. I gave it back. I rejected it. There's a difference, okay? I didn't just lose it like I, I fell between the cushions or whatever the case may be, and I can't find it no more. Uh, I renounced it. I made a. I made a, a, a decision. But, you know, but... Uh, you know, this is not talking, again, uh, I go a lot of detail, I can use a lot of different scripture here, but it's not talking about an immature Christian just getting mad one day and just denying Christ. That's not what it's talking about. You have to be, because I can support this with a lot of different scripture, uh, it's talking about a mature believer uh, who has, and, you know, it. It, stuck, uh, it starts with a mature believer getting bitter. Just because a mature believer got bitter doesn't mean they're necessarily a reprobate off the back. But if they let that bitterness grow, if they let that bitterness get a control of their heart and whatnot, they can't get to the point where they become a reprobate and they just totally renounce their salvation. And usually when they get to that point, they are... I mean, you. There, it's obvious. It's not questionable. It's not gray line. It's not uh, borderline. It's not because they said the wrong word, the wrong phrase. It's not that easy to, to be around. But they have made an intentional, they just have, have such a hatred in their heart towards God. And it's so obvious. I mean, I mean, I mean, you just you just being around them. It's not based on what they're saying so much. It's their heart has become evil. And uh, and so and again, now I've known some very evil people, but they, some of those evil people had not become born again to begin with. And so, um, uh, so I've no, you know, I I know some evil people. I mean, there's people like Hitler and different things, whatnot. I don't know their whole story, so I can I'm not going to. Let me just say this: I am not the judge. Neither are I, I any of you. And I will never question whether someone's saved or not as far as you know that's in one sense it's between them and God. God's the judge. God knows their heart. God knows who's a reprobate and not a reprobate. I have no place of judging someone saying they're not born again as far as you know now but but as far as an unbeliever if I haven't heard the words if I haven't heard the confession from the heart that they believe that Jesus died and rose again, if I haven't heard a confession, then, then you know, I'm not going to baptize them. I'm not going to uh, affirm them in that way. You know? And if it's, you know, I, I'm just not. And I, but I'm never going to go to someone and tell them in their face or talk behind their back and say, uh, so someone, I'm talking about someone I knew, they were going to church, they loved the Lord, and all of a sudden, uh, they're not going to church, or they're, they're living like the devil and whatnot. Now, I might say they're living like the devil. <laughs> It's obvious. If they're living in sin and and living, I might call, I'll call sin sin. But whether they're born again or not born again, I'm not, I can't make that decision. You know. Now they're not showing me any signs that they're born again, but at the same point in time, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to make that decision. I what what what, what am I going to do? I got to preach Christ to them. I got to preach the love of Christ because they need to hear the gospel. And whether they're an unbeliever they need to hear the gospel to get saved, and if they are a, a believer who's just living in sin, they need to hear the gospel because it's his goodness that will lead us to repentance. It says in Romans chapter two, four. So wh- whatever they may be, they need to hear the good news of the gospel, and they need to turn. And they need to get right with God, and they need to get turn their life around. They need to hear the gospel. The, Jesus is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. The Word of God is enough. If Jesus can't save them, I can't. If the Jesus can't save them, the Holy Spirit can't. But I'm going to show them the unconditional love of God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to condone their, their behavior. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to write them off either. And like, what are you saying? You can't walk the fence. You know, I love I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. I love them. They need Jesus. Either they're, they don't receive Jesus or they're not walking with Jesus. They need to receive Jesus. They need to hear the gospel, the good news. They need to hear God loves them. They need to hear and and they need to get the heart right with God. You know, even an apple tree that's withered, and I'm not saying it's dead, it's, it's not going to produce anything. There's not going to be good fruit on it. There could be fungus and all kinds of mold, uh, stuff on it. But, you know, there, there, there's some... You know, uh, Sherry and I, once in a while, we rent a house where the yard is just a mess. And we love fixing this house we had not have an issue with. But some, we just love... There's been some plants and some bushes that we just kind of almost resurrected from the dead. It wasn't dead. If it was dead, it wouldn't come back. But uh, at the same point in time, it just it just needed some pruning. It needed some cleanup. It needed some water. And it just had a turnaround. You know? Uh, but I seem, we've seen lives transform. We've seen... We've seen people living in in the, in the gay lifestyle, other lifestyles. Hear the gospel message and turn their lives around. That's awesome. I wasn't my place to judge them. I was my place to show them the love of God, and let God, by His word, by His Spirit, turn their lives around. I even myself, between high school and, and a few uh, a few years ago, I had some addictions that I wasn't proud of. Even the ministry, I had some addictions I wasn't proud of. But I but I, it, it I heard, and it doesn't make it right. I should know better yes but the same point in time I had some ups, but I, I also had some doctrines that I was hanging on. I didn't understand righteousness like I understood now. And when I understood righteousness, it set me free and I got free and now I mean I, 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 mean, I can share all kinds of stuff and I'm now I'm at where I'm at now and, I, and there's no doubt in my heart that I'm born again. And there's no doubt in my heart that no one can convince me otherwise. And so uh, I struggled with it before, part of it, because I didn't understand righteousness. But when I understood righteousness, and that's something we'll talk about a little bit later as we go further, I just don't have time talking about it all right now, and I'm, I can't add too many things on the on, on, the, on the menu yet. But it just, when we understand righteousness, it set me free. I know people, when they understand righteousness, get set free from different different uh lifestyles like the gay lifestyle uh those who were hooked on drugs and different things and the other lifestyles when they understood who they were in christ it set them free it's the truth that will set you free the bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free and there's some people uh they got they're, they got they're in a the snare and it's not gonna be me getting on their case gonna set them free the truth is going to set them free. It's the goodness that will lead them to repentance. That changes their mind. That changes their heart. And turn their lives around. You know, it, it, we can talk about sin. But we can, it can also be a midlife crisis. It could be a financial crisis. It could be depression. But until you hear the good news, it will set you free. Someone, they might not be committing some great sin. But they are wallowing in depression. Isolated from life. And having maybe maybe they were violated. As horrible as that is, there's not enough words that can do justice to to, to encourage that person in the natural. Because what has happened to them, they've been abused and violated, it has been beyond horrible. But the gospel, Jesus by his spirit, can set them free from being a victim to being victorious over it. They can overcome that. But not not naturally, but by the spirit of God, by the life of God, they can overcome that. It takes the life of God to do that, but it is possible. I've known people who've been set free from that type of emotional and psychological trauma. But it's not me. It's not getting on their case, and 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 they're just as trapped in some ways as the one who's caught up in said, "I'm not saying they're a sinner." Not, not, don't get me wrong. But that 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 emotion, that scar, that that. Trauma, that turmoil, they're they're replaying the scenes and and, and feeling uh, unworthy and and not wanting to live. That's not freedom. That's not a way to live. Jesus can set them free. And someone who's wrapped up in cancer and all kinds of uh, vicious diseases, the same Jesus, the same cross can set them free and bring healing. Because the same salvation, the word salvation... In the, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew it's Yeshua, in the Greek it's, it's Soteria or Sozo, in its short, shortest form, saved. It's, a, it's by definition, that word salvation in the Hebrew and the Greek mean the exact same thing. It, it's not just forgiveness of sins. Salvation by definition in the Hebrew and the Greek means wholeness, healing, prosperity or provision, deliverance. It's an all-inclusive word. Our healing, our salvation, is all the same word. It's all the same thing. And, and Jesus said it this way in one, one teaching, what's easier, to forgive sins or to heal the sick? Just as, or the same are just as easy because they're one and the same. Where did sickness come from? Sickness came from the curse of Adam's sin. When Adam sinned, man's seed became cursed. The world became cursed. But it says in Galatians 3.13, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. Sickness, when Adam and Eve walked this earth before they sinned, there was no sickness. There were no diseases. There was no divorce. There was no lack. But part of the fall included, came curses. Sickness is a curse. Deuteronomy chapter 28 will list all kinds of curses and one of those curses is sickness. But Jesus has redeemed us from that. That's why we I said the seed falls on different kinds of soil but we need to understand it. When we understand it, we've seen people get saved as far as receiving salvation as far as being born again which is more important than anything else. But part of that salvation includes being healed, being set free, and there's all different kinds of healing. There's physical healing from an injury or illness or disease. But I found that there's many mental and emotional healings too that go deep into the soul. And people need to be healed there too. Sometimes I found out most, almost every physical illness comes from some type of worry, stress, or or some type of disorder. And I've seen many people, they get healed from cancer, but they, they still worry and stressful because they're not free. They get another disease or another cancer. They never really got healed. They got healed from that symptom. They got healed from that specific disease or whatnot. But something else came back. Until you heal the soul, until you heal the heart, and that's what we're trying to get to. But uh, uh, we're going to build on this a little bit next week. But until we but we got to get some understanding here so we can teach towards that. But if he knows in Jesus's ministry, he brought salvation, including healing to people, and he healed many people. We've seen many people healed in, in this in this ministry. We've seen people get healed from cancer, from depression, from all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, not enough that I like to see, but uh, and, and I, this is not so much a teaching about healing, uh, but it's it's going to come up, uh, because it's part of the it's part of the seed. You know the apple seed, in that seed is blossoms is the leaves is the branches is the apples themselves and more seeds it's all in that seed but in the seed of salvation is yes forgiveness but also there's healing there's forgiveness and i said that but uh, there's other things as well david said this way in psalm 103 bless the lord of my soul forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of our iniquities who heals all of our diseases and he goes on he lists some other things him forgiving all of our sins is only one of the benefits the other benefits of being healed of all of our diseases and there's some other things too who satisfies our mouth with good things who who also i mean who, uh, our youth will, will will be like the uh, uh, I forget don't how it renewed. goes he'll renew our youth like the eagles so i don't care how old he may seem like you are in the natural he can renew your youth like eagles that's also part of the package Caleb said he was stronger at 80 than he was 40. Moses led Israel into the promised land at 80. So age is not an issue Uh, if you're you're saved. You know, anyway, I could teach so much on that. But I'm I'm getting on so many rabbit trails right now. We're going to build on this a little bit next week. We're still in chapter 1 of this book. But hopefully I'm making some sense. I'm getting some major nuggets here. Once we can understand some of these, we can build on this. But we're talking about the new you. Basically, let me just summarize this. Is that to receive Christ, we need to hear the gospel and believe it and receive it. We need, to, we need to believe that he died and he rose again. We need to believe it and receive it. That in the simplest form. And then we need to know that there's nothing we can do to lose the salvation. And unless somehow we came down and we become a reprobate but we're not going to talk about it right now your salvation is secure are you going to make some mistakes? yes but your salvation is secure the mistakes are not okay we're going to deal with that but his grace will teach you to live godly you know when a child learns to when a child is born does he fall down sometimes when he starts walking? yeah I, re- I fell down a few times when I started riding my bike and when I started walking. You're going to make some mistakes along the way. But there's a difference between making mistakes and revolting against God. It's a big difference. Okay. There's a big difference between totally denying, forsaking God, totally saying, as a mature Christian, to saying, I just totally forsake and deny this. There's a big difference between just that and just one day as a, uh, just making some mistakes. The mistakes are not okay, but he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we make some mistakes along the way. And as we grow as Christians, we're going to allow his nature, and we're going to find out we'll make fewer and fewer mistakes. But we need to be taught. We need to grow. We need to mature. Okay, there's so much I can build on this and whatnot. And See, what, what, partly what I'm teaching, I'm trying to teach the gospel, but I'm also trying to counter some false teaching out there. Trying to counter some misconceptions that people have, and it can be see that again doesn't go back to what I talk about a child being gullible. Because there's some religion all of us have heard that something needs to be untaught, or retaught, and it's off, it's on, but it's off on some areas. Not maybe every area, maybe not the essentials, but some key things. I want you to know that you know that you know that you're born again. If you're if you're if you're frazzled, if you're unsure where you're born again or not, it's going to be very hard to build on this foundation. Because the foundation is unsecure. If you don't know you're saved, that's why I'm dealing with this. If you don't know you're saved, we need to deal with that. So you know that you know that you know. If you're wishy-washy whether you're saved, it's going to be hard for you to be a of God of anything. You know? Uh, But you need to know that you know. I mean, you might not know about everything, but you need to know that. I need to know that I have a heartbeat and that my, I can breathe. I might be struggling whether I can see twenty twenty. I might be struggling whether uh, I can, I'm functioning 100% on all, all cylinders. But I need to make sure that I'm breathing. I need to make sure that I have a heartbeat at a, very, at a healthy rate. Those are essential. That foundation has to be established. Before the, 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 the EMT can do anything, they're going to have to make sure those two things are are under control. They don't need to worry about the broken leg until they make sure the heartbeat and the, the breathing is under control. That makes sense? There's some other things we can build on and whatnot, but those two things have to be under control. We need to know that we know that we know that we're saved. And, you know, how do we handle sin? How do we live godly? Well, that's what we're going to learn. But uh, it comes from the root. See, living godly doesn't come from the fruit. It comes from the root. The, the, apples don't, the apples on the apple tree don't come from the apples themselves, they don't produce themselves. It's the fruit of the tree. Holiness is it's called the fruit of holiness, it's called the fruit of righteousness. The root, the fruit is not the source. The, the root is, the seed is. That, that is what makes it a tree or a, a, an apple tree or not an apple tree. If, if, I, if, I, if I break off a branch in the proper way and I engraft it, I say I, I cut off a branch of my orange tree and I properly engraft it into an apple tree and I do it properly, that new branch from the orange tree that's been engrafted into the apple tree will not produce oranges, it will produce apples because it's been grafted in. We were grafted into Christ. Peter says it this way, we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. What's this incorruptible seed? Christ, we're born again. The the holiness, the the righteousness, doesn't come from our actions, the fruit. It comes from the, the root, the seed. We're born again, not a corruptible seed. What's corruptible seed? Adam. Adam's seed was corruptible. But Jesus was born again of an incorruptible seed. Why is that significant? You see, that's why the virgin birth is significant. Jesus was born of a virgin. The seed comes from the male, not the female. So Jesus could not be born from Joseph's seed. He had to be born of the Holy Spirit who conceived his seed into Mary. So there's Adam, and then there's Jesus, the second Adam, or the last Adam. Jesus is a whole new prototype. He didn't come from Adam and Eve, Moses and all these people. His seed came from the Holy Spirit. The seed comes from man, not the man, female. That's significant. That's why it has to be a virgin birth. And so, so we, the Bible says we are born again of incorruptible seed, not a corruptible seed. We weren't born again of Adam. No disrespect for our natural father. But we are born again of Christ. And there's no corruption in that seed. There's no sin in that seed. There's no sickness in that seed. There's no corruption in it. That We're going to get to this, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Until we renew our mind to who we are, we're not going to see the change happen in our behavior in Our actions, we're going to get there. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I didn't want to leave you on this note. And just, uh, there's just so much here. Uh, but we, if we got the seed, if we're born again, we can't lose it. An apple tree can't just lose apples because, just because, it, 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 as long as it's grafted into the vine, it's going to produce fruit from within, not without. an illustration, I'm trying to close, <laughs> okay, I'm over time. But I, I love Christmas trees. Again, I keep mentioning Christmas. But a Christmas tree is adorned with ornaments that are not its own. They're not naturally grown. The ornaments don't naturally grow on a on a pine tree. The the popcorn or the the, the, the uh, whatever the lights. You don't they don't grow off the tree. It's actually a, either a fake tree, or it's been cut off and and you adorn it with. With, with ornaments that are not its own nature. But a fruit tree produces fruit from within. If there's going to be any holiness in our life, if there's going to be any righteousness in our life, any godliness in our life, it's going to come from within, not without. So if, you know, and some of the mistakes we're making is that we need to change our mind. If, you, if I give you an old computer and you want to use it, sometimes you need to reprogram it. Reboot it. Restart it. We need to reprogram this computer. It's been living naturally all these years. Now we gotta re- we've gotta got to retrain it, who we are in Christ. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. I'm getting, I am going i don't have time to explain all that this week. Uh, but I'm trying to give you enough to go on. Anyway, God bless you guys. I know I shared a lot. I think I went over. I don't know how long. Uh, I don't know if you have comments, but I know I do that. Uh,
1: just a little I know uh, Dave shared a lot it was really good so don't be overwhelmed if if you're just like oh my gosh this is this is so much to to chew on but just just take a, a nugget or two just go by the, the um, this is it just its first chapter slash introduction to where Andrew and Dave and I are going with this Bible study but just know that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe what He did for you, you believe that He He died and was buried and rose again for you. You know you have that assurance of your salvation. Um, if you if you have questions or need clarification, reach out. Um, otherwise, you know that's why Dave and I speak so much about having a relationship with God. It's not. In a, in a sense, and I'll use in an illustration real quick to because to, I know we're closing. But, you know, when Dave and I got married and he said, you know, we, we got the rings, we signed the certificate, we had the marriage ceremony. It wasn't, those things were all maybe one-time events for for us. But the the marriage itself takes place over, you know, we've been married 20 years and we're still learning about each other. We're still walking with each other. It wasn't like, okay, I, I signed the certificate. I, I'm done. I'll, you know, see you, whatever. But, you know, you, you have special times and, and, and days and, and dates with your, with your loved one, with your family. You live day to day, you know, you get the chores done, you go to work, you, you know, you live life together. You do, uh, we like to do projects together. You, you're still living out that, that relationship. Well, in the same way with God, you don't just say, okay, thanks God. I'm, I'm saved. And you know, whatever you, you grow that relationship with God, you get in his word, you, you learn, you let you cultivate that seed that was planted so it can grow and bear fruit. And there's just so much, this is so rich and it's so exciting to to be able to share this with you guys. Um, so we just want to leave you with with that, so you can um, again chew chew on what we've shared. But again, there's more. We're gonna clarify more. We're gonna get into more detail on all of this.
0: And this video will be archived on our website, so you'll you'll be able to review it again if you need to. So and we will build on this next week. So well, we'll see you next week at seven, and then we'll also be here Sunday morning at 11:15, and then uh, Sunday night at six. So all right. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and then uh, we'll see you then. Okay. Thank
1: you.